Welcome to Neuromovement Revolution with Anat Benyel, where you will discover breakthrough possibilities for your life through the brain's power to change. We're so happy that you can join us in making the impossible possible. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 43 of our Neuromovement Revolution podcast. A very special podcast this morning, and that will be in conversation with Dr. Margaret Paul. Uh, the Facebook feed is not working at the moment. We're hoping to get that up and running. But So if you have any friends that you know want to join by Facebook, maybe give them a little text and get them to come on the Zoom link. Okay, take it away, Anat. Okay, hi, good morning, everyone. I am so truly thrilled to have Dr. Margaret Paul with us this morning. Margaret is a very, very special person and does remarkable work. Um, so let me tell you a bit about Margaret before uh, we start the interview. Dr. Margaret Paul is a best-selling author, popular mind-body green writer, and co-creator of the powerful inner bonding self-healing process and the related self-quest self-healing online program. It's recommended by author Marcy Shimoff, actress Lindsay Wagner, and singer Alanis Morissette. She has appeared on numerous radio and television shows, including Oprah. Her book titles include Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? I believe that sold over a million copies. Um, and subsequent titles, Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by God, by My Kids, and so on. Healing Your Aloneness and Inner Bonding and the recently published Diet for Divine Connection and the Inner Bonding Workbook, Margaret holds a PhD in psychology, is a relationship expert, public speaker, consultant, and artist. And she also has horse and dogs. (laughs) 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 She has successfully worked with thousands and taught classes and seminars for over 50 years. We will put the links where you can go to get Margaret's uh, free inner body course and uh, join uh, Dr. Margaret for her Love Yourself course, and we'll give you a link for that too. Um, Margaret lives in Colorado on a 35-acre ranch. She has three children and three grandchildren. In her spare time, she loves to paint, ride her horse, cook delicious healthy food, read, make pottery, and joyously live her life as a golden girl with her best friend. Margaret, amazing. Just this is already inspiring. So welcome to our podcast. I'm so, so happy to have you. And how about we start with you telling us, what is the inner bonding process? So inner bonding is a six-step pathway that teaches people, if they follow the steps, it teaches them um, how, to, uh, how, to, how to love themselves, basically, how to, how to discover who they really are in their, in their true soul essence, um, how to discover their false beliefs that are limiting them, um, how to connect with a higher source of love and wisdom, how to develop the, the loving adult part of themselves that can take loving action for them, how to fill themselves up with love so that they have love to share with others rather than needing others to validate them, rather than needing to get filled up externally. Inner bonding teaches people how to fill up internally 
so that we, we can truly share love, which is, you know, for me, the most glorious experience in life is the sharing of love. So um, it's a six step process that that came through from spirit at some point, because I I worked as a traditional psychotherapist for 17 years, had my own tons of therapy and was not happy with it and started to ask for a process. And that's when I met Dr. Erica Chopish, the co-creator of Interbonding, and our higher guidance brought this amazing process. Uh, and it's been evolving now for 36 years, and it's just become incredibly powerful. So I have two questions that i like to follow up from that. But before I do, I want to mention that Margaret has agreed to take one of you uh, through the process here during the uh, podcast. So um, if you're interested, you go to, to chat and you know, say, say a few words of uh, who you are, whether you're a parent or whatever it is that you would like to improve or change in your life uh, through this process. And Margaret will do it towards the end of the podcast. So, um, Margaret, of course, having the experience of love and and, and self-love and so on is, is glorious, and I believe most people would like to have that and loving others. A, a big part of a, our audience are parents of children with special needs. Do you want to say right up front something about specifically the value of this uh, process, um, especially that when there is a child with special needs, the focus is a lot on the child and loving the child. So it almost feels like, might feel like, self-indulgence or taking time and resources in the wrong direction? No, actually, I wish that every parent would learn inner bonding before having children because um, not only would they be in a position to role model taking care of themselves, but it makes us so much more sensitive to other people's feelings. And this is vitally important when you have a special needs child. You, you can't be coming from your head. You've got to be coming from your heart and soul. And so many of us grew up um, with pain and we had to disconnect from our body, which is our heart and soul. And we had to go up into our head. But the mind is not capable of tuning into what's going on internally with another person. And so it becomes so important that we, we learn to get present in our heart, and our soul. It's not that we discount the mind, but, but it can't be only the mind, or we're going to then try to control the child. And this is what happens with so many of the parents that I work with, not just special needs, but just, you know, parents of, of, of regular kids, and they're, they're having all kinds of problems because they're trying to control their children coming from what they think is right, rather than tuning in and being able to flow with the child, which I know is so important with your work, Annette. Okay, I'm going to ask you questions. Of course, I know your work and love your work, and we're simpatico on so many, I think, pretty much everything. <laughs> but, but I'm going to ask the questions kind of, I feel, representing some of what parents might ask. So um, children so often present themselves as in a, before that, let, let me ask you the previous question. What do you mean by control? 
Can you give an example of control? Because, because the question could be, well, I'm not just going to let my kid run wild. So what, or, you know, throw all the dishes and break them on the floor or something like that. So what, right. what, can you talk a little bit about control? Because it's really very important part of your work. And it can come in, in ways that we don't even know that it's attempts for control. So uh, parents often have concepts regarding what they think a child should be doing. I mean, we're not talking about allowing a child to run in the street or throw dishes. We're not, I mean, obviously as parents, we have to set limits when it comes to health and safety and things like that, or acting out against other people or, or against themselves. I mean, that is part of our job as parents, but, but parents often try to control so many other things. They, they try to get their children to learn in a certain order or to um, um, meet certain standards that they decide uh, the child should be meeting. I mean, this, this happens all the time just with regular school kids where the parent has some concept of how the child should be performing instead of really tuning into what's happening with the child and what's appropriate for that child. So the parents try to control. Um, they, they, they exert their, um, their power uh, with in many ways, they, they, they might judge the child, they might show disapproval, um, they might um, actually physically move the child in ways, force the child into things, you know, especially with special needs children. Uh, this, this doesn't work. It doesn't work with any kids, but it doesn't work when we're um, imposing on a child what we think they need to be doing instead of tuning in to helping them move towards um, what supports their highest good. So uh, what would you say drives the need for control, the impulse to control? Okay, so in the, in the inner bonding process, um, we, we, we kind of divide us into different aspects in order to learn. It's not that, uh, we, uh, and it's not that in the end, as, as we do this, we don't integrate. But one of the, one of the aspects is what we call the ego wounded self. And this is a part of us that we all developed as we were growing up as part of our survival. And this part of us has filled with fear and false beliefs. Mm. And this is the part of us that's completely devoted to control. You know, like when we were growing up, if, if, um, if we weren't getting loved in the way we wanted to or, or needed to, or we were being abused in various ways, we might've learned to, um, to be a good girl or good boy and be very compliant as a form of control. We might have learned to resist and dawdle and not learn as a form of control, uh, to not be controlled. We might have learned to have temper tantrums um, as a form of control. So there, there's many ways that we learn to control. Um, and some of those ways might have worked as we were growing up. Like for me, I learned to be a very good girl. And mm -hmm. I thought that worked. I mean, it really didn't, but I thought it did. Um, <clears throat> and to comply, to be compliant. Um, but as adults, these forms of control are, are being governed by a young part of us, like three, four, five, six years old, when we absorb these ways of trying to control. And they cause a lot of problems in both relationships with our kids and in our adult relationships because um, first of all, we don't have control. We think we do, but we don't actually have control. 
And when we try to, it generally creates a resistance. And so it doesn't work well um, to use control as a way to move a child towards uh, their highest good. You know, you're saying that is so important, and I want to take just a moment and move it to my universe of or working mm-hmm. with children with special needs. Uh, so, for example, uh, putting braces on legs that don't, that when a child can't still stand or the legs are spastic and get like a peculiar position. And the, the building a shaped plastic in the way it should be when they stand is actually a form of control. Mm-hmm. Now, there are moments or there are times when we need to do something that externally uh, provides uh, the conditions because of what's going on. Like if some, I'd give another example. If somebody's injured, then they have to go to the hospital and they have to stitch them up. Yes, we do want to control that. Yes, we do. Well, well yes, that's the health and safety. Yeah, that's the yeah. health and safety issue. Yeah, it's the health and safety. And, um, but, but, and, and it's a very hard kind of, that's what I talk about from fixing to connecting. So I think, and you, you were very resonant with that when you described right. it, I say it. And so, so what, so first of all, becoming aware of control, what would you say? So I know what drives control. What would you say? is the big, big one or more biggest uh, uh, obstacles to shifting from attempt to control to connecting with other resources and connecting with the other or with the self? Well, it's, it's these false beliefs that we have that, that, that come from fear. And, and, and there's fear. Parents have fear about their kids um, and they have false beliefs as to what's going to work and they operate out of that fear and false beliefs because they don't know what else to do and they think it's going to work for them. And this is why, this is one of the reasons why inner bonding is so important because it, it tunes us in on a different level. It tunes us in on a, on a place of inner knowing and it tunes us in on a place of higher knowing so that we're, we can actually access information that we can't access out of our own mind. Like Annette, I know when you do your work, as I, you know, I, I haven't seen you in person, but I've seen you on video. You're, you're accessing that information all the time. I mean, you're, you're not, you're not, I mean, you, you have a lot, you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of training, but when you're working with somebody, it's coming through you. It's very evident to me that it's coming right through you and it's very intuitive. And that's because you've learned to do that. You've learned to do that in your work. If parents need to learn to do this and they don't have to have the training you have, but they, You know, if they were to learn and practice inner bonding, they would start to develop that access to that that knowing, a higher level of knowing what to do, rather than coming from their fear and their false beliefs. Because you know, people go on automatic. You know, we we get these fears as we're growing up. We don't realize we have them. We don't realize we're operating out of the fear and false beliefs, and we're imposing this onto a child. And then we wonder why it's not working or it's creating resistance. Whereas if we, if we were to access the higher information, we would be going about it totally differently as you do. Yeah. And of course, as you say, we we also try to impose it on our partners or on, or on friends and actually on ourselves. Right. Yeah. That's right. 
yeah, so this is wonderful. So I, I'd like to, uh, you speak about intent, intent, intention, intent. And um, a, could you first of all talk about the importance of intent and then we'll move also to parenting? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and our intention governs everything that happens. And in the inner bonding process, we only have two intentions to choose from, which makes it a little easier. Um, one is the intention to protect against our pain and our fear with forms, various forms of controlling behavior, which is what I've been talking about. The other is the intention to learn about what's true and what's loving to ourselves and loving to others, loving to our kids, our partners, whoever. And so at any given moment, our intention is either to protect and avoid and control, protect against pain, or to learn about love. And that makes all the difference because when our intention is to protect, we're going to be controlling, we're gonna be closed down, our mind is closed to new information because we're coming from fear and we're coming from avoidance of anything that we're afraid of. Whereas when we choose the intention to learn about what's loving to ourselves and to others, that's when we start to access that inner and higher information that we need, especially when we're working with a child with special needs, but with any child or with anybody, we, and with ourselves, we, we need to be able to access um, the information. It's like, it's like um, I give this analogy, like you have a computer and your computer is programmed, just like our minds are programmed. But if you're not connected to the internet, you can't get anywhere. Just because you have these programs doesn't mean that you can learn anything or get anywhere. So when we access the internet, we then um, have access to a vast amount of information. Some of it's true, some of it isn't, but at least it's available. When we open to the higher information that's here for all of us, we're accessing the truth. That's where the truth is. The truth is not in our program mind. The truth is in being able to access that higher information. And like, again, and now when I saw you work, you're, you're, that's what you're accessing. You're accessing the truth about what will help this child. So, <clears throat> I, so I'm gonna ask a question, right? Representing a possibility of a question. Sometimes people say tough love. So you talk about being loving and, and loving is the way for, for success in terms of learning, healing, relationships and so on. And, and some pe people say, yeah, but tough love is important. So I, I think maybe you can talk about that and give us a little more distinctions here. Okay. So a lot of people don't understand what love is. Love is what supports our own and others' highest good. And sometimes it is tough. Sometimes love is, is, um, is, hard, is hard to hear because love comes from truth. Love comes from honesty. Love, love, is not, love is not caretaking. Love is not compliance. Love is not giving to others to get. Love is not giving in. Love is is based on what's in our own and others' highest good. That's what it's about. And so a, a lot of people don't understand that love isn't, you know, just this kind of who we will we weak thing. That that's not what it is at all. It's a very power, it's very powerful. 
because when we come from truth and we're coming from the love that comes in from our higher guidance, we move into personal power. That's what gives us personal power. And when we learn to see who we are inside, then we can start to see who our, who our child is inside. We, we can't see the soul of others until we see the soul of ourselves. And so often our, our programmed mind um, uh, has judged ourselves. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I'm inadequate. I'll never be good enough. That, that's going on a lot of people's programmed mind, which means they don't see that their soul is an incredibly beautiful spark of what I call the divine. And so is, it, is that soul within their child. And we have to be able to see that in order to support it. So love isn't imposing on somebody what we think is right for them. Love is tuning in and supporting what's genuinely and truthfully in their highest good. We don't know that from our own mind. We know that from tuning into that source. Yeah. I, of course, I find this very moving and very profound. And, uh, you know, it's for me, if I bring it back to the child, let's say a child cannot roll over or walk or talk or whatever it is. And we all would like for the child to be able to walk or talk or so on. However, at any given moment, trying to force the child or impose on the child that, and the child is not there. It's not where their, what you call highest good, I call it their, what's really is there available and is calling for connection and interaction with. Then opens the opportunity for for the child to to do their own inner work and progress. And and that brings back that we don't have control over others. We cannot make anybody really learn or think or feel or do anything because we say so. Right. So, so, but you come from it from a very, uh, in certain ways, very different way. So, so uh, in, 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 I want to remind people that in about uh, 17 minutes, we're going to have Margaret do a process with one of you. And, and if you, uh, are interested, please uh, put that in the chat and uh, and then Margaret will be able to do that. Um, a, but in the meanwhile, uh, how, so if you can give already just a few tips. So for a parent thinks, a parent goes to a doctor. The doctor says, this is what needs to be done with a child. You know, if you don't do that, the foot will get deformed, <clears throat> excuse me, or whatever they say. So there's the actual medical stuff. And even there, what, can you have any tips to give to a parent at that moment? Where to go? Aside from gathering as much information on Google and talking to other parents and going to second and third opinion, where do they go to know? Well, see, I mean, I've had that situation many times where I'll go to a doctor for something um, and they'll say something and I'll know it's not right because I can tune in to that that higher source. And so I won't do it because I know it's not right. Just because they're a doctor doesn't mean they know what's right for me. And this is why it's so important for parents to have access 
to that, that higher knowledge, that higher information, to start to trust their intuition and not to be handing over authority to other people. This is one of the big things in our country right now that is a big problem, is that people have not learned to take responsibility for themselves and they hand authority over to other people to tell them what to do and what's right for them. And this can get them into a lot of trouble. Um, in inner bonding, we say, you know, we, we learn to become our own guru, not to make anybody else an authority, not to say that we don't go to people for help, but we still have to tune in and trust ourselves. And I can't tell you how often I've worked with people who say, well, the doctor or the dentist or this person or that person or the therapist told me this, and it didn't feel right, but I did it anyway, and it was a disaster. And so they, they didn't trust what didn't feel right. And that's one of the things that we need to start to do, especially with a special needs child. What feels right and what feels wrong? You, you can't know that from here. You've got to be in your heart and soul to know that. You've got to be present in your body. And, and unfortunately, most of us, like I said, we learn to disconnect from our body and be in our head in order to survive childhood. And so we're not in touch with what feels right and with what feels wrong. And that's, that's part of the inner bonding practice is that we learn to do that. Yeah. And so, so again, I get those bifurcated questions every time you talk. Is it, so uh, two things. I'll start to, uh, with the uh, second one is for me, so first of all, to learn to feel and to just mm -hmm. know what it is because right. the feeling level informs us and gets gets us to know stuff right and to right. pay attention and so on and that's extremely important and of course my work is so associated to feeling sensing the kinesthetic the visual right. movement right. the whole thing of course i personally also add to that once it comes there then some kind of thinking process that tries to sort it also conceptually so do you do that too, or do you just... Yes, we do that too. So um, this is part of, you'll see if I work with somebody, part of step three of inner bonding, where we're exploring, um, if we're feeling anything other than peace and fullness inside, we're exploring what we're telling ourselves, how we're treating ourselves, and then we're going deeper into the level that has the false beliefs. And that is a more intellectual process of, of, okay, we're, you know, what am I believing that's causing me a problem? Why am I treating myself this way? Why am I treating my child this way that's causing a problem? Where did I get this belief? So yes, there's a cognitive aspect to inner body. It's a mind-body-spirit process. It encompasses the body, encompasses the mind, understanding um, what in our mind is programmed and not accurate and what is, and then it's also a spirit process of accessing the information that's here for us. Well, that's wonderful. And of course, once you do the demo with someone, uh, then, then uh, uh, the words will attach to them some concrete experience for people. Right, right. The process is beautiful. Um, how does how the, you treat yourself affects how you parent your children? 
So yeah, and, and this is this is huge. I mean, I I wish I had had inner bonding when my kids were little because, like I said, I was brought up to be a good girl, to be compliant, to caretake other people. I was a caretaker for them, but I was not taking care of me, and that's what I role modeled, and that's the problem. Is that you know it, it, it's up to us as parents to role model taking personal responsibility for our pain, for our joy. Children learn that way. They learn to take care of themselves by the role modeling of the parents. So if we're abandoning ourselves by, by judging ourselves, by ignoring our feelings, by turning to various addictions, by blaming others and making others responsible for us, that's what they're going to learn. They're not going to learn to take care of their feelings. Parents often say, well, how do I teach my children inner bonding? Well, uh, you know, we're, we're not talking about special needs, but children learn it actually very easily when their parents role model it because it's, e it's so much easier for children before they have all this, you know, these piles of false beliefs in there. But they learn primarily by seeing their parents take care of themselves and make themselves happy. And this is, this is vital for loving parenting. Yeah, you know, when you said you talk about children that don't have special needs, actually my experience with children with special needs, that they're exceptionally attuned ah. to when somebody connects to them at the level and the way that works for them. Yeah. I think yeah. perhaps because so much is challenging and so much of the experience is uncomfortable. There are children we start working that have not experienced comfort and wellness and safety because most babies at least have some of the time when they're fed and they're dry and they're held and they're loved and they're well. And, and, and there's also so much anxiety around a child with special needs that the, the, with the children that I've worked with, one of the things is the moment I connect with them in the way I do, it's kind of like, that's it. They're quote unquote, they're mine, not by controlling them, but they completely glue in. So well, they can feel it. They can feel energetically that you get them. You're with them. Yeah. You're connecting to who they are. And, and for them, it's more rare very often than other children. So that's yeah. for a parent of a child with special needs. It's a huge gift. Right. If they can figure out a little bit more how to do it, because, of course, a, a system that feels safe and, and well and loved is much more available to, do, to heal and grow and learn. <clears throat> so one of the things that's so important uh, to develop is empathy and compassion. Um, and many of us don't have that for ourselves. And so it's hard to extend that out. But when you practice inner bonding, that's part of it is learning to have empathy and compassion for yourself. And then you can extend that out to your, your child. And a special needs child very much needs you to be able to tune in on that level, to feel what they feel. Yeah. That, that, that's just vitally important to be able to feel what they feel so that you can support them in being all that they you know, are capable of being. But if, you're, if you can't feel yourself, you're not going to be able to feel what they feel. Yeah. And I, I just want to clarify, because I'm thinking about myself. So if a child has pain... I don't feel the pain. No, but I no. I feel that they are experiencing pain. That's right. That's feel right. That they are uh, uh, when what what makes them a little more well and what makes them less and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yes. But that's right. That's right. You don't have to feel their pain. I don't have feel. their experience. No. I just connect to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, because I don't want parents running around and thinking they have to. No, 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 no. But but see, I, in my work, I, I I know what other people are feeling. Yeah, I, I can feel what other people are feeling. It doesn't mean I'm feeling it, but I know what they feel. Yes. Um, and and that's come from knowing what I feel and and being tuned into that and being tuned into my higher source, so that when I'm with them, I can tune into what's going on with them, and I can tune into their higher source. We actually all have the ability to do this, but it does take practice. You know, I like that you just said that you tune into the other, the other person's higher source. Mm -hmm. In, again, I'm translating to my world. I say, I, 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 um, I rely on the people I work with to get better. Right. I, I tune in, to, I facilitate for them through tuning to them to discover their own inner resources. Right. And I organize it so it makes it easier for them to do it, you know, but they have to come to it. That means one, one person hooks to the other person and together something happens in the other person. So I like, I like what you said, that you actually two higher sources kind of get into collaboration. Well, I, I have no doubt in that, that when you're working with a child, you are being guided by their higher source. They're, they're, that source is letting you know what to do with them. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Something for me to think about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, a, so, well, we just kind of spoke about it a little bit, by, by, about why is it so important to become connected with your feelings. And so we're getting closer to, to um, a, for you to do a demo. And, and I just want to say to, say to people that, that you're not going to be exposed like in any way that's embarrassing or difficult. Mm -hmm. And Margaret will only go with you where you take her she won't go beyond that she's she won't well and and let me say that they can they can have an issue or they can just see what happens with inner bonding sometimes people don't know what they want to deal with but they just i take them through the process and that works too so it doesn't have to be a particular issue it yeah. can be yeah it doesn't exactly so but but the, it, it, talk about it a little bit because people say, get connected with my feelings. What does that mean? I think I'm connected to my feelings. Or where do I find them? Or how do I even know what they are? Or can you talk so, about Yeah, so, so feelings are, are in the body. I mean, we're born being connected to our feelings, but we learn to get in our head in order to survive. But um, I teach people to use their breath, to breathe, to put their mind on their breath, and use their breath to get inside their body and to scan their body. This is step one of inner bonding. It's a... It's a mindfulness process of using your breath to get inside your body and just scan and see, is there any tightness anywhere, any heaviness, any tension, any, um, you know, uh, our feelings show up physically, like anxiety will show up like a, maybe a tightness in your gut or uh, grief can show up as a heaviness in your heart. And so um, the, our emotions show up on the physical level. And so when we tune in, inside our body, uh, our arms, our legs. It's just, you know, it can show up anywhere. Um, we start to become aware of our feelings. Wonderful, wonderful. So I'm looking here, Neil, do we have Siri that is interested? Um, I actually uh, sent you a couple of requests. Okay. By text. There's uh, 
a doctor Ali. And, and there's an Anne Walter. Okay, so how about I read to you what those two, you know, and Margaret, you decide who you want to do the demo with, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Ali, I have muscular dystrophy. How do I enhance healing myself, communicating with my soul? Okay. Do you need to read it again or it's good? No, no, that's fine. <clears throat> She said, enhancing the healing path, can I please be a demo? So that's from Dr. Ali and from Anne Walter from the Sunshine Coast in BC, <laughs> British Columbia. I'd like, to, I'd like help with OCD and rats of negative reactions with my husband. Okay. So um, work with muscular dystrophy is a pretty deep issue. So I think I'm going to work with the OCD. Um, since we only have 10 minutes, I don't want to get into a much deeper issue. So um, how about we work with the, what's the woman's name with the OCD? The woman's name with the OCD? Anne. 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 Okay, Anne. So let me work with Anne. And, and can you put Anne uh, next to, to Margaret so she can see her? Here we go. And okay. I'm going to get off so you can see Anne more. Okay. Hi, Anne. Oh, I can't hear you. You're going to have to unmute yourself. Hi, hi, there, sorry. There, there we go. There we go. Okay, Anne, so, so take some deep breaths, please. Take some deep breaths and put your mind on your breath so that you're following your breath as it goes in and out of your body. And as you breathe, scan your body for any physical sensations that are going on right now. And what do you notice happening inside your body? A tightening in my stomach. Okay, so I want you to breathe into that tightening. Get present with it. No judgment. Don't back off. Don't try and make it go away. Just get present. Just imagine that this is how your soul, which we can call your inner child, um, is communicating with you. Commun that soul communicates often through feelings. So just get present. Breathe into that, that tightness. And make a decision you want responsibility, even though you might not know what that means yet, that you want responsibility for that. Okay, that's step one. Now step two is breathe into your heart. And make a conscious decision that you want to open to learning about whatever you might be doing that's causing this, this tightness. So... You open to learning about what you might be doing, about any beliefs, about what would be true, what would be loving, just opening to learning. And do you have any kind of spiritual connection, Anne? Yes. Okay, I want you to open to that and invite the love and compassion of that higher guidance, that spiritual connection. Just say, I invite your love and compassion into my heart. It's a simple invitation. And breathe that in. And this is what creates what we call the loving adult. We're a loving adult when we're open to learning about love, about loving ourselves, loving others, and we're connected with a higher source. Okay? And I want you to make sure that you're very curious about what you're doing to cause that tightness. Be very, very curious. Be very interested. That's step two of inner bonding. 
Now, in step three, this is an exploration. I want you to ask that tightness, what you're telling yourself, what you're doing, how you're treating yourself that's causing this anxiety. And then go inside. You don't want to answer from your mind. You want to go inside and let the answer come from inside, from the anxiety. What does the anxiety want to tell you about what you're telling yourself and how you're treating yourself that's causing it? Too hard on myself, I guess. Okay, so ask that, ask that tightness. What you're telling, like your inner child, imagine you have a little girl in there. What are you telling her that makes her feel like you're hard on her? You're not trying hard enough. Okay, so you're putting pressure on her. She's got to try hard enough. And does that, does that in your experience, translate into OCD, that pressure? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. So when you're putting pressure on yourself, you're, you're trying to have control. Yeah. That's what the wounded self does, put pressure on. Yeah, I'm always trying to control my life, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, but you're, you're, so when, you, when you're hard on yourself and you're telling yourself, you know, you've got to try harder, you're putting that pressure on yourself and that creates anxiety, right? Yes, I've and had a lot what, of tightness in my chest lately too, and a lot of anxiety, which I don't even know where it comes from at no, all. No, but that's but that's where it's coming from. It's coming from the pressure you're putting on yourself, the judgments you're putting on yourself. What is it? What else are you trying to control? My future. Your future. Okay. So I'd like you to now. Um, breathe into the part of you that judges you. There's a wounded part inside that judges and that thinks that she can control the future. And um, how old do you think you were when you learned to judge, when you learned to think that you could control the future? Probably around 10 or 12. Okay. So imagine you have a programmed wounded part of you, 10 to 12 years old, who absorbed the false beliefs that putting pressure on yourself will get yourself to do it better and that somehow focusing in the future will give you control over the future, right? What was happening at that age that led you to make those conclusions? I had an abusive father and my mom was talking to me about uh, when I was 14, she wanted me to go and live with my older siblings who were married and were raising families. Um, we were living 3000 miles away from them and she just didn't want the abuse to keep going um, towards me from my father. <clears throat> and so what made you conclude at that point that you had to put all this pressure on yourself? Is that what were you trying to control when you put pressure on yourself? Did you think that if you put pressure on yourself to do it better, your father wouldn't abuse you? Uh, I don't know if that was it. I just, I wanted to talk sense into him. I wanted him to listen to my logic and my reasoning about why he was being abusive to my mother mostly, but to myself as well and to all of us really. Um, okay, but you see, 
that that's the false belief. That's one of the false beliefs of the wounded part of us, that if only we can get this person to hear us, if only we can get them to understand what they do, then we can have control over them not doing, you know, not being abusive. And, and, and that's, that's a big false belief. If yeah. we explain ourselves well enough, if we say yeah. the right thing, then we can, that, we can get that person to change. Is this what happens with your husband? Do you do the same thing? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when your husband, what, what would he do that would trigger this behavior in you? Well, sometimes he tries to be a little bit controlling, but really he's a softy. He'll, he's, he's very good. But uh, it's just little idiosyncrasies that bother me. Um, I just seem to want to be in control of a lot of things, like, like washing his hand, not washing his hands enough, not cleaning the food properly before he cooks it, or, oh, you know, I don't know, letting things fall on the floor and, you know, and then picking it up and reusing it. and. And so Just, what happens when you try to explain this to him and you try to control him in the ways that you, you know, you've learned to do? What happens? Shut down. He tends to shut down more. Right. And he, so he, and he gets quiet. Right. Sometimes so he, he withdraws. Gets annoyed, but mostly he gets, yeah. So people don't like it when somebody's trying to control them. They don't like it. It sounds like you get kind of parental and he yeah. sort of... Yeah. So, so you become the parent and he goes yeah. into being the resistant little boy and... Yeah, He's and I don't, I don't enjoy that. Well, no. <laughs> no, but, but you see, you're operating out of that adolescent part of you that believes that if you say it right, you can control him. That's the big false belief that all of us learn, that we can, if we do it right, we say it right, then we can have control. And we don't realize that it's actually causing the opposite, that it's causing resistance. Because nobody, yeah. you don't want to be controlled. You want to control, but you don't want to be controlled, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just want he. him to get it so I don't have to control him anymore. <laughs> but you don't, you don't have that control over him getting it. No. See, but that's what, that's what you're not accepting yet. Okay, I'd like you now, that, that's step three. That's the exploration we do. What we're feeling, <clears throat> what we're telling ourselves, what our false beliefs are. Now you want to open um, to your higher guidance. And what is that for you? When you imagine your higher guidance, what do you imagine? Well, I, I have what I call my divine collective. It just kind of takes in everybody, God, my ancestors, the archangels, okay, you know, all my guides, everybody, That's because great. I don't want to miss anybody. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. So I want you to um, imagine that you're in a beautiful place in nature with all of your, uh, your relatives, God, the archangels, just imagine they're all there. And your little girl, your, your little girl is there, like two, three years old. And you've been putting pressure on her to perform better. And you've been telling her if only she says the right thing, then she can control the future and she can control your husband and she can control the outcome of things. And I want you to ask your, your group of, of, um, of support here, your spiritual support, what's the truth about that? What's the truth about whether or not I can have that control? I can only control what I do. Okay, now I want you to ask them, okay, if that, then what would be loving? 
to this little girl rather than trying rather than judging her pressuring her being parental with my husband trying to control the future what would be loving to her what would make her feel safe and loved and important and peaceful inside just ask them that question and imagine what they might say to you trusting my guidance really just <clears throat> Trusting them to work things out, doing my part and trusting them to work it out. So, so one of the things I want to encourage you to start to remember to do is in these situations, instead of acting from that adolescent, this is going to take practice, to ask your higher guides, well, what's loving to me right now? Right in this moment, because it's not like there's a template, but like if your husband drops something on the floor. <laughs> Um, or he doesn't wash his hands and say, well, what would be loving to me right now? And see what starts to come through you. Because obviously telling him what to do, being a parent isn't working. I never had children. So I suppose I need, I needed to be a parent to somebody. <laughs> yeah. But it, he might, you know, if, if you, if you say to him, you know, I'm worried um, that you're not washing your hands and that, you know, one of us is going to get sick, that might have a different effect than telling mm -hmm. him what to do because that's telling him about you. Yeah, that's right. See, and, and generally if we share what's going on for us, rather than telling somebody, well, go wash your hands. Right. It has a completely different effect. And so this is what you want to start to tune into. What's loving to you? Is it loving to you to say, you know, honey, I get scared when I see you not washing your hands. I get scared that we're going to get sick. Would that be loving to you? Yeah, a lot more for sure. Okay. So that's what you want to start to tune into because you're this, this array of, of spirits that are here for you, they have answers for you, but you have yeah. to open to learning. You have right. to ask. You have to ask about what would be loving to you. Now, right. if you were to imagine taking that loving action, let's just imagine that instead of telling your husband to wash his hands, you, you just let him know, you know, I'm, I'm just worried. It kind of scares me. How do you think you would feel? If He'd feel a whole, whole lot better. He'd probably even maybe want to do it on his own. <laughs> and, how would, and how would you feel? I'd feel a whole lot better. Okay. So that like lets, that's right. So that lets you know that that is what's loving. Right. So how does that be? You imagine that. How do you feel inside right now? Well, a lot more at peace. Yeah, just a lot more peaceful. And I, and I feel like I, I have integrated a lot of things like that. What you're saying is absolutely true. And I, and I already know this, but I, I appreciate the, uh, you know, just the, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Confirmation. Yeah. You know, from somebody, somebody like yourself that, I'm on the right track so that I don't get discouraged and fall back into those patterns again, because that's what I find myself doing. I get a little better and I do what you're doing, what you're saying. And then I fall back into that rut again, because he and I have both formed some real ruts of resistance. Right, right. But your feelings are going to tell you, you see, right now you feel more peaceful. Right now you yeah. don't have that, that tension, that anxiety. The minute yeah. you have the anxiety, that lets you know you've gotten off track. That's let you, yeah. That lets you know you're, that anxiety is, is letting us know that we're abandoning ourselves in some way. Yeah. 
So you want to be present. Just like, you know, if a baby's crying, you want to be present. Well, this is your inner baby that's letting you know that, hey, you're not taking care of me right now. Yes. I often uh, practice the Ho'oponopono prayer to my inner child. And it does help. And even saying I wholly and completely love and accept myself, that sometimes brings a real, just a wash of peace through me. Yeah, it's but, very, but, but, very but temporary see, and momentary. But and if you if you learn these steps of inner bonding, you're going to go yes. a lot deeper because you and then then you're going to really keep um, uncovering the layers of false beliefs that you're operating from. And as you do that, you won't be going back to the old behaviors. See, the, it's fine to do all those things, but really, the, it's the false beliefs that need to get healed. And yes. that's what happens yeah. as we tune into them and we learn to take the the loving action for ourselves those yes, get you. healed. Okay. Yes. yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you for working with me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for taking me. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So first of all, thank you, Margaret. I mean, I, I, I've done, I'm going to tell people about what you offer and I know your work and every time it's just another level, another layer it's, it's just, I find it to be wonderful. And uh, uh, maybe uh, open it up perhaps for one question. If anybody has, just uh, uh, raise your hand through the chat. But I just want to be, so we have time to say it. I want everybody to know that Margaret, uh, I mean, if you, it appeals to you and you'd like to learn to do this six-step inner bonding process and benefit from it, Margaret uh, does live online uh, uh, workshops or seminars and the the different lengths, and they're absolutely wonderful. She she also has a a, a, a streaming uh, um, courses that address, and Margaret does her courses through, through different topics or lenses where we, you can learn to use the process in relation to a certain topic in your life. So it can be relationships or it, it can be different topics. And uh, Margaret also has a private practice. So we're going to put all that information, how to, to find out about uh, what Margaret offers. So you have that. Yeah, they can just go to innerbonding.com. They can start with the free seven-day course and then, you know, if yeah. if they like that, they can go on to other things. Yeah. 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 Excellent. We will we'll put the links to make it easy for okay. people. Um, and uh, so, uh, Margaret has to leave it exactly at the at the on the hour. Do we have a question from anyone? A quick question or comment? And you know, so is there anything, Neil? Uh, not currently, but I did send you one comment. I texted. Yeah, him. I mean, the, the comment is uh, in re- response to your saying that the higher I connect to the higher self of the child. And okay, uh, why don't you read it? I get emotional, Neil. I will do that. It's from Nanette. Um, she says, I totally agree with what's being said that Anat is connecting with the child's higher self. I saw that when she worked with our daughter, Sage, in 2014, and again in the recent Portland workshop. It was a very palpable feeling. 
By the way, after the work with Anat, Sage no longer hated to read, got all A's the next year. She's now a junior in college and doing great. I truly believe the work with Anat was the turning point for Sage. Thank you. Blessings. Nanette. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, I, I hesitated because the focus is on me. No, but, but that's wonderful. Yeah, that's, but that's the, 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 the thing that I'm thinking of came to me while you was, were working with Anne is the whole question of abandoning the self. And when there is a child, and especially a child with special needs, the, the situation really calls on living, living one's body, living. Yeah, yes, that's child. right. That's right. So the, 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 and, and focusing on the child and even taking a little time to yourself make generate a sense of guilt. And anyway, there's tendency to feel guilt, you know, irrational guilt in terms of what's happening with the child. So I think your work for everyone and especially for parents that are so challenged by the situation, even to regular children, typically developing children, and because this thing is not taught in schools. And it's no, not- I know. Let me, let me say something before yes. we run out of time, and that is that if parents feel guilty about taking some time for themselves, they have to realize that these children are very, very sensitive. And if, if parents are not taking care of themselves, the child's actually going to feel a burden. Like they, they have to do something that they can't do yet so that the parent's okay. And you don't want your child feeling responsible for you. So it's so important to be taking responsibility for yourself so that the child is free to, to, to do the work they need to do without feeling responsible for the parent. I just love you said it. I just did a whole thing course over the weekend with my teachers. And I said, it's not that the child does not come to the world responsible to make the parent feel whole. That, that's right. That's it's right. the other way around. That's right. So, so thank you, Margaret. Uh, I wish we had another hour or two or three, but <laughs> I, I just so grateful you came on. And I know lots and lots of people are going to watch it. People come and watch the, the podcasts and uh, have a wonderful day. You too. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining. And thanks, Annette. Thank uh, it's just great. Okay. You take Love care. You. Thank you so Love much, Margaret. You too. Thank you for joining us on Neuro Movement Revolution with Anab Benyel. You will find all of our podcasts and additional resources on our website at www.anabbenyelmethod.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We look forward to seeing you online for our next Neuro Movement Revolution.